Welcome to the Extra Club podcast. This is the podcast where we don't just motivate and inspire you, but we also give you practical hints, tips and strategies on your way to finding your extra to become extraordinary. We are relationship and behaviour experts and professional coaches, Mark and Nikki Taylor. And each episode, we will discuss different challenges, issues and problems that we all face. And give you solutions, hints, tips and strategies that give you the extra in your life to make you happier, healthier and more successful. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Extra Club podcast. I'm your host, Mark Taylor. And I'm your host, Nikki Taylor. We're here to dive deep into topics that impact our mental well-being and help you navigate life's challenges And today we're tackling the subject that many of us can relate to either currently or from experiences in the past, challenging working relationships. That's right, Mrs. T. And even though we're talking specifically about uh, working relationships on today's podcast, the challenges that we're going to talk about and also their solutions can equally apply to any kind of ongoing relationship, especially things like challenging family relationships which unfortunately are all too common. Yes, indeed. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that. So why is this a problem for so many people? And why are we covering it today? Well, our working environment can be complex and it's also filled with various dynamics. And having a challenging relationship with colleagues or managers can significantly impact our overall emotional and physical well-being not to mention our productivity. In fact, in 2021, a study that was carried out by ACAS, by the way, if you're not familiar with ACAS, they're the Advisory Conciliation Arbitration Service who work with both employers and employees to improve workplace relationships in the UK. So the study that ACAS carried out back in 2021 identified that workplace conflicts cost employers a whopping... How much, Mr Taylor? How much do you think? I don't know. Um, hundred million. I think we say two pound fifty. Yeah. <laughs> thirty billion. Thirty billion each 30 year. Thirty billion pounds each year. That's a lot, Crikey. isn't it? And I think this shows that this is a huge problem for everyone involved when these kinds of situations exist. And if you have experienced this yourself in the past, like we have, then what we're speaking about today will already be resonating with you. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start by discussing some common examples of challenges that arise in working relationships. Sounds good to me, Mrs. Taylor. So one of the biggest problems in any kind of relationship is communication. But before we talk about that, let's just look at the word relationship to begin with. Now, this might sound a bit strange, so bear with me. So when we're teaching the linguistic part of neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP as, as it's known, we talk about something that commonly occurs in the use of language. And here we have a great example, the word relationship. It's what is known as a nominalization. Now, a nominalization is a verb or a doing word, as we most of us know it, which has been turned into a noun. And what's a noun class? Well, that's a word that names something such as a person, a place, a thing or an idea. And using nominalizations can be a problem in and of themselves within communication. 
So stick with us and we will explain. So take the word relationship, for example, the verb is to relate, but it's been turned into a nominalization. That has become a thing, the relationship. Now that's a problem because once it becomes a thing, it becomes more abstract and less easy to do anything about. It does. So try this on for a moment. Does it sound easier to improve the relationship between two people or does it sound easier to improve how you are relating to each other? Now that sounds a lot easier, Mrs. Day. I think so. How two people are relating rather than improving the relationship, which doesn't really exist. Because what is it? Because, well, you can't touch it, can you? You can't. No. Actually, it's not a real thing. You can't touch the relationship. So what we need to do is understand the words. So, for instance, the word communication is another nominalization. The verb is to communicate. Again, which is easier, to improve the communication, which is an abstract concept, or is it easier to improve how two people communicate with each other? I know which sounds easier to me. Which one? <laughs> I'm not going to explain. <laughs> so, if we go back to what we were saying a few moments ago, one of the biggest problems within the workplace is how people are communicating when they relate to each other. Now that sounds much better. I think it does. And another challenge within the workplace is conflicting personalities or different work styles. Yeah, we, we all have different approaches to work. And when these differences clash, it can create tension. And often there can be a feeling that the other person is deliberately being difficult or awkward. You know, this is particularly apt for family dynamics too. Can I make a confession? What's that? Before I knew NLP, I thought you were being deliberately awkward. Oh, but now I know better. Now you know better. We just have different different personality styles, don't we? We, we do have totally different personality styles. So having worked in a large organisation myself in the past, I know firsthand the impact that this next, next set of circumstances that we're about to talk about can have. Power struggles and hierarchical conflicts amongst co-workers, because this can cause not just significant challenges in the workplace, but also in my experience, lots of unpleasantness, particularly when people are competing for things like promotions mm -hmm. or for pay rises. When individuals are competing for authority or they're failing to respect each other's positions, whether that's intentional or not, it really does create a toxic environment that affects everyone involved. And I'm sure this is something that you've experienced yourself too in the past, is it, Mr Taylor? Absolutely. And we appreciate that there are more situations and complexities that can occur when people are relating to each other at work when they're communicating. But we want to be able to give you some tips and strategies that will help. So what's the first thing to do uh, in your mind, Mrs. Taylor, when you're involved in these kinds of situations? Our first tip might actually sound a bit obvious, but it's crucial because it's to be able to spot these challenges early on so that you can resolve them quickly. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's much easier to resolve something when it first occurs than leaving it to escalate, as often that results in things like grievance procedures or someone going off sick or even feeling they have to leave their job to escape the problem. So the first thing is having that awareness. Ask yourself, is there a consistent feeling of tension or discomfort when you're interacting with certain colleagues? 
Or do you dread certain meetings or avoid communicating with certain people? And just making this clear, we're not saying this is about blaming others, by the way. All we're saying is to remain conscious of the situations where you are less comfortable. Pay attention to any recurring conflicts or disagreements uh, that arise. If you find yourself frequently at odds with a particular individual or group, that's a great starting point to be able to address the underlying challenges rather than letting them fester. And once you've spotted the situations and the individuals, then ask yourself, what are the common themes, the ones that we've already spoken about? So is it how you're relating to each other when you are communicating? Is it about personality clashes or is it these hierarchical conflicts? And there are usually the first two at play in any situation. So that's about communication and also personality in any relationship, whether that's at work or at home. The first step really for me is once you've identified those problems and the problem area, the next crucial stage really is self-reflection. And and, and yes, I know it's easier to blame other people. You know, that's much easier. In NLP, one of the mindset presuppositions that we teach is that you're in charge of your mind and your results. And I am in charge of my mind and my results, which basically means that you can't change other people. You can only change how you react, which puts you back in the control of the situation, which is empowering. So take the time to evaluate how you are communicating, your behaviour, and your triggers, understanding yourself better will help you navigate these challenges more effectively. Now, also in our NLP practitioner trainings, we teach you how to understand your own model of the world. Uh, so, So once you understand that first, you can then understand how you relate to others. As one of the silliest phrases that is commonly used is that I treat everyone how I want to be treated. We're all individuals and everyone is different. To be an extraordinary communicator, you need to treat someone the way they want to be treated, which may very well be different to how you want to be treated. That's a really good point, Mr Taylor, and and, and a very apt one, I think, because that is commonly said, isn't it? And I actually worked with someone a number of years ago, and I felt really uncomfortable whenever I had to go and ask them something. In fact, I really had to build myself up. To, to go and speak with them. And it was someone in the office where it was an essential communication because of their role. And when I analysed what was going on, they were really straight talking. Now, these days, I would know that their way of speaking was direct rather than inferential, very much like yourself, Mr Taylor, direct speaking style. They were just saying it as it was, so there was no beating around the bush. And because my listening style is inferential, and it was then, I used to imply all sorts of meaning, things like they weren't happy with me or had done something wrong. And so what I did was I took a step back and watched how they communicated with other people. And by doing that, I saw that actually they spoke to everyone exactly the same. So then I started to think, well, actually, this isn't, this isn't about me. And it stopped being a problem for me. And actually, we became really good friends because I could just treat the communication as it was. Yeah, I think once you realise that people are just being people, and we're all different, and there are these personality traits, then it really does help. But we could talk about that all day, Mrs. Taylor, all about personality traits, but we do want to give our listeners some practical tools that they can use. So what's your second tip, Mrs. Taylor? So my second tip 
is for when you find yourself constantly disagreeing with someone. Because there's only ever disagreement in the detail. In NLP, we teach something called chunking up, which takes someone out of the detail to a more abstract position of intention. And the chances are that in an argument or a disagreement, you both have the same higher intention behind what what you're saying. It's just the detail that you're disagreeing about. Next time you're disagreeing with someone, ask yourself your purpose for wanting or doing what you're doing. And then ask yourself, what's your purpose wanting or doing that? And just keep doing that. Keep asking yourself those things until you have an abstract concept. And you can do this in your head, by the way. You haven't got to do it out loud. Well, you can write it down. I think writing things down is a good way as well. It is. And then do the same with the other person. And you can frame it that you want to understand what's behind their thinking. So you're being helpful. And if you chunk them up in the same way, you will at some point come to the same reason. So let's use an example instead. If uh, we wanted to buy a new chair for the lounge and we couldn't agree on the kind of chair to have, it might go something like this. I want a leather chair in black or brown with no arms. What is it you want? I would like a fabric chair that's light in colour with arms. It sounds like we want opposites and there's no agreement. What's your purpose, Mrs. Taylor, for wanting leather in black or brown with no arms? Well, I want leather because it's easy to wipe over and it doesn't get marked easily because you're very messy. And it's true. And I want the dark colour for the same reason. And no arms because I know it affects your shoulder if the arms are too high. So it would just be easier to get one without arms. And what's the purpose behind wanting those things? My purpose is that I want it to be hard wearing, I want it to be comfortable, and I, and I want us to get value for, for money. Okay, so for me, my purpose uh, for wanting the, the fabric in a light colour with arms is because I think fabrics is clean. Um, I want it to go with any colour scheme we choose in the future and arms because I want to enjoy sitting in it. Okay, so what's your purpose be- behind those things? Oh, I want it to be hard wearing, I suppose I want it to be comfortable, and I want us to get value for money, so it lasts. So we actually have the same higher purpose, even though it's not immediately apparent, and we could have argued all day about the details of which chair and what characteristics, we now can agree on looking for something that meets the criteria that we're both looking for. So as long as it's hard wearing, comfortable, and we get value for money, then we'll both agree. Agree. That feels better already. It wasn't even a real disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really powerful. That is a really powerful process to use. And another tip when you're disagreeing with someone is to put yourself in the other person's shoes and see the situation from their perspective. Now, we teach a great technique during our trainings, which is called perceptual positions. And this really helps you to look at the situation from yours, from theirs, and also the positions the position of an objective third-party observer. Because doing this can be a a real eye-opener and it can help in the workplace foster understanding and and really create a much more compassionate environment for everyone to work in. I mean, this has been used successfully by our graduates in schools, for instance, where they've had children who carry out so-called bullying behaviour and they've utilised, got the child to look at this from different perspectives, the behaviour they've carried out from the point of view of the other party, and then from the teacher viewing it. And it's been a real game changer for the child 
who actually didn't understand the impact of what they were doing, or it came out that the, the reason they were doing it, which you know the teacher could then deal with. So that's a that's a great way of um, dealing with conflict, and there is a lot of value in having an open and honest conversation with someone to work through the issues from both perspectives too. The earlier that you do this, the more likely it's to be successful. And really, you want to do it in a neutral environment, over coffee or lunch, perhaps. And when doing it, I think you need to remain tactful, professional and curious. You can express your concerns and seek joint resolutions through constructive discussion. Yeah. And if you don't feel comfortable doing this on your own, then you can involve maybe a mediator or you can seek guidance from HR, human resources, if you have one in your place of work, or a supervisor, because this might be more beneficial for you. And they can provide an objective perspective and really help facilitate constructive discussion between the parties involved, as long as they're skillful. And always keep in mind when you go through a process like this, what your purpose is, that you're actually looking to resolve the challenges. You're not looking to score points or show how wrong the other person is. Yep, that's true, Mrs T. And remember the importance of self-care in these type of situations. Challenging working relationships can take a toll on our mental and emotional well-being. Please prioritise your self-care by doing things you like, taking part in exercise and doing fun activities that bring you enjoyment, which are particularly beneficial. Absolutely, Mr Taylor. And please remember, you have control how you respond to these challenges. Note, I've used respond, not react. Focus on building anti-fragility. Now, we spoke on a podcast about that a few weeks ago, so that's there for you to look at. And seek support from trusted friends, family, or even a mentor who can help provide guidance and encouragement if you need it. I'd also, at this point, like to mention something called the conflict continuum. Okay. Now... The thing is, we don't always have to challenge something because a lot of the time people think, oh, there's conflict, got to challenge it. Yeah. And that can can often not be the right time and not no right place, let's say. So what the conflict continuum says, we basically there's three options. Yeah. We can avoid the conflict. Mm-hmm. We can diffuse the conflict. Yeah. Or we can confront the conflict, which we've just been talking about. Now, I think avoiding the conflict, you know, it has its time and place. I think the problem is if we avoid it too much, then it will just grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And it will become, um, as we said earlier on, a lot more to deal with. And then likewise, if we diffuse it and we live to fight another day, I think that's okay as long as we've sort of thought it through. Yeah. And thought, what are the consequences? Because we don't want to just keep diffusing. I've met those people who just diffuse, 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 and they never actually get anything done or they never get to the bottom of anything. Um, the thing about confronting it uh, from this model, there are, there are two ways it says you can co- confront, you can negotiate, like I've just been talking about, just sit down, have a cup of tea, chunk people up, so find their highest intent. Because most people want the same thing. At mm-hmm. the end of the day in a workplace, they want to do their best. Uh, they want to um, give good service to their employer. They want to do well. Um, and and it's then the detail we lose sight. So negotiate. Or there's the other angle, which is confront from power. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is often um, for people like managers, uh, or it may be a power policy, for instance, is using. So you can do that. So I think it's always worth remembering that there are different ways in, in which you can actually look at conflict with the conflict continuum. And they're all legitimate. It's just about understanding which suits those circumstances the best. And and also, I think when you are confronting another handy model, now these models um, I learnt many years ago, Mrs Taylor. Oh, yeah. Uh, when, when I was on my trainer's course back in 1995. Gosh, you remembered them well. I was eight <laughs> um, at the time. Um, but yeah, so when I first started doing adult training, and these are some of the things we talk about as well in NLP trainers trainings when looking at uh, conflict. Now, the other model that comes to mind for me with confronting uh, behaviour is Kutzer. Okay. Uh, the C stands for confront the behaviour. So so we can actually, uh, I think when I say confront the behaviour, the good thing, because we talk about this NLP, concentrate the behaviour, not the person. Yes. Because people are more than their behaviours. So therefore, concentrate on the behaviour. So don't label the person, label the behaviour. Yeah. Secondly, understand the other person's point of view. That's the you. And we talk about this, respecting the other person's model of the world, don't we? We do. In NLP. Was this built on NLP? I think it was. Presuppositions. So, so we respect their position and we ask them to respect ours, but we get to understand where we're both coming to. Then what we do is define what the problem is. We get into the detail. And this is where people can react a little bit, become a bit defensive, negative, maybe sulky or aggressive. But play your understanding of the issue back to the other party. So you define what the problem is for you. They define what it is for them. The S then, once you know what the problem is, is you search for a solution. Now, this involves the cooperation and the negotiation we've been talking about. So we search for what we always call a win-win solution. And so, so that everyone wins. So not only you, but the other party feels they've gained something, if not everything. And then the last thing is agree. The A is for agree. So get an agreement, even if the agreement is just to differ, have a difference of opinion. Yeah. Um, and make sure the agreement is stated clearly and unambiguously. And I think I'd add another A on, take action mm-hmm. on that agreement. Because there's no point having an agreement and then the next day going back on it. Yeah. But I just thought those were a couple of handy models that came to mind. Mrs. Yeah, from, I think that's, that's from, useful from too. My, my trainer days are... Yeah, I think that's very useful because you're quite right. It's not always about confronting. There's different ways of doing things. And for us, it's always about outcome. It's what's your outcome and what's the best way of dealing with it to give you that outcome. And I think if despite everything that you're doing, the challenges that you're facing persist and are negatively impacting your overall being, it may be necessary to consider other options, such as seeking a different role or work environment that aligns better with your values and goals. Please don't stay there just to prove a point. I've seen so many people just, and I think I did it myself once, just to prove a point. So as far as we know, we only have one life and we all want to make the best choices we can to feel confident and filled. Staying in a toxic environment when you could be enjoying every day through working in a different role with different people isn't a sensible choice. Well said, Mr Taylor. And that, as much as we could carry on talking about this for much, much longer. That wraps up our discussion on challenging working relationships for the moment. 
We hope that you found the insights we've been discussing today helpful. And as always, if you want to find out more about how we can help you on an individual basis, all you need to do is drop us an email on info at tenderedlifecompany.com or you can connect with us personally on Facebook and send either myself or Mr. Teller a message. We'd love to hear from you. So, crikey, I can't believe the time's gone already, Mrs. Taylor. I can't. It's raced by. We hope that uh, you've gained something from that and uh, some useful tips and hints on... uh, And if you are going through something challenging, remember you can reach out because we're here to help. So thank you for joining us today on the Extra Club podcast where we go the extra mile for your mental well-being and your journey to being extraordinary. So take care and bye for now. Bye for now. That was the Extra Club podcast. We hope that you're leaving with some great things that can help you in your life every day. To get more invaluable content, please make sure that you're subscribed to the show on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode and feel so inclined, please leave us with a five-star rating and comment with a review. If you see the value, please also share it with someone else who needs it. Sharing is caring. Thank you for listening and making your choice to find your extra. Until next time, bye bye for now. now.